0: The end of a hot spring day in the Middle East. The disciples have walked all day to get to Jerusalem. They have, with thousands of others, made the trip to the temple and taken the obligatory ritual baths. Clean and refreshed, they now follow Jesus through the dusty streets across town and make their way slowly up a set of stairs attached to the outside of a house. As they open the door to this upper room, the smells of the Passover dinner, roast lamb, Fresh, albeit unleavened, bread, all mixed with the pungent aroma of new wine, are sweet in their nostrils. Their mouths begin to water. They make their way into the room and to their places around that low ceremonial table. As they look about, they are surprised to discover there is no servant to wash their feet. When Jesus first got up, they assumed he was going to call someone. Instead, he shocks them by taking off his cloak and wrapping the long towel around his waist like some sort of overgrown sash. Then he continued the servant's ritual by filling the basin with water. None of them knew quite what to do as he approached them and then, to their horror, knelt at their feet and began, one after another, to wash their dirty feet. The master washing the disciples' feet? They dared not say anything until Peter, he at least blurted out, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus tried to explain to him that he couldn't understand it, at least not yet. But Peter, brash young Peter, insisted he knew better. If it wasn't all so very odd, it might have been comical. And part of the odd was Jesus' gradual unveiling of that sad, sad truth. One of them would betray him. He was talking to them, but not all of them. Eventually, he got more and more specific, and finally he sent Judas out. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, Where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. There are four points to this beautiful introduction of the teaching Jesus will share with them this e- this night, this evening. One, guys, things are about to change dramatically. <laughs> That very night, he would be betrayed. And they would never walk with him in the same way again. Second, he's leaving. And they cannot go where he is going. Therefore, they must, three, love one another just as I have loved you. Jesus won't be there to love them in the same way he has. So they must step in and care for each other. But there's another reason for this, because people can't tell you're my disciples now simply by seeing you follow me. But when you do love as I did, they'll know. We live past that time when everything changed, and we recognize that Jesus is now in a place where we cannot yet go. So it's the third and fourth parts of Jesus' introduction with which we want to concern ourselves today. Do we want people to know we are his disciples? Are we willing to love one another as Jesus did? Even at the cost of our own lives. What is this love? How does, this, how does it look? And how is the church to learn it? Loving one another as Jesus loves us. To figure this out, we're going to consider some of the one another statements in the New Testament. Not by any means, all of them. There's just too many But still a lot. So we'll zip through them pretty quickly. So I urge you to get a copy of these notes so that you can study them more thoroughly later. Or or even do your own study of one another. A note before we jump in. It can be dangerous to uh, cherry-pick scriptures. (laughs) It's very easy to take them out of context and miss the point or worse yet get the wrong idea. My favorite is those two scriptures. Judas went out and hanged himself. Go and do likewise. Likewise. Those two don't go together. (laughs) They're not supposed to be together. I'm just saying be careful when you read only a small section of scripture. So let's talk about one another. There are both positive one another scriptures, do this to one another, and negative, don't do this to one another scriptures. So we'll start with the do-nots before we get to the Uh, (laughs) I-do's. Maybe we'll just call them the do's, not the I-do's. Uh, Okay, the do-nots. Do not speak evil against one another. Well, duh. (laughs) But James found he actually had to say this to people in the early church. So what happens if, like James, you hear one of us saying something evil about another one of us? Maybe it's your responsibility to say, don't do that. And please, don't go to somebody else later and say, do you know what he was saying? <laughs> that would be speaking evil against them in case that escaped you. Do not grumble against one another. You now, What's wrong with them? Why can't they? Why weren't they? You know, it's kind of the same things as above. So please don't grumble. And do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We are free in Christ like no people ever were before. And some people use that freedom for what? (laughs) I mean, is there even one of us who has not been cheated or used by someone who named the name of Christ? Maybe he really even was a Christian. Well, just because they did doesn't mean you have to. So please, don't be one of those who takes advantage just because they can in that same conversation, Paul wrote, but if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The intent of that scripture it should be pretty clear, but I want to make another point. Satan is real. Demons find it easy to push us, particularly when we get angry or stressed. You need to recognize the voice of your Savior, and it might be smart to know that of your enemy as well. And he loves to try and sound like Jesus so he can entrap you. If you get angry or stressed or just plain tired, don't let the devil push you. There's nothing he'd like better than to destroy the church to get us to devour one another. Back to the Scriptures. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I'm sure glad I'm not ghetto like that. Well, he just thinks he's so smart. Well, not everybody can be beautiful like me. <laughs> Thought I was safe saying that one. Uh, <laughs> she thinks just because she's got that nice car, she's better than the rest of us. Okay, when people say stuff like that to you, they're trying to provoke you, if they know it or not. No believer should do this. But if all believers were perfect, why would this be in the scriptures, right? <laughs> hmm. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Don't get back at people and stop anybody trying to get back at someone. (laughs) And that would be doing good, wouldn't it? I don't think that one needs all that much commentary. But here's a really interesting one. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? You know, that's, uh, I mean, when you try to think about that one, that's a good hour all by itself. We We could spend a long time talking about that. But at least for today, we have to ask how serious is this one another stuff? We'll just save that one for later. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Okay, This is one of those cases where you have to read that whole section. It's not about judgment of right or wrong, but rather things that new believers find difficult. It's a long discussion. You have to read it to get everything. But basically, don't judge someone who is young in the faith the same way you do someone who is further along. In other words, sometimes cut some people some slack. Okay? They're not perfect yet. Well, I won't talk about you not being perfect yet either. Okay, here's another one of those so obvious, why did he mention it ones? Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. And yet, for our last do not, it carries a lot of weight. I mean, have you put off the old self? Have you abandoned those old practices? If you find yourself lying to someone else, maybe you're not as mature as you thought you were. If you find yourself lying to yourself, well, maybe we'd better talk. (laughs) Okay, enough of those do-nots. Time for some I-do's, or whatever we've decided to call them. Here's some positive one-another reinforcement. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Oh boy, Uh, this one gets messed up a lot. You ever notice how gossips love to say, hey, tell me what's on your mind. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another. Lay it all on me. <laughs> okay, I, uh, You know what they're going to do with it if you do. <laughs> that, that's not the intent here. James is all about heavenly vis- wisdom versus earthly mm, wisdom. Uh, it's all about the spiritual connection to our lives. I mean, you kind of have to read all of James to get any of it. The big point here is that we need to develop trust with at least one other believer so that we can do what this scripture says. The healed part is all about the spiritual, What naturally, which, of course, naturally affects the physical. But we're looking for spiritual healing which will affect everything in our lives. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Paul's talking about the same thing James was. It's hard to do life right, period, Even when you believe, we need more spiritually mature people to help us. They can help bear our burdens. And I think you guys are pretty good at this. So maybe this next scripture could apply to us. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Let me stop and point out that love, biblically, is almost never about feelings. It's all about doing. I mean, you remember this one? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Did you notice how many feeling words were there? That's right. Exactly zero. The feelings of love follow the action. That's how we're made by God. Unfortunately, the vast majority of Americans think that love is the feeling, so they follow the feeling and mess their lives up. Or to say it another way, letting your feelings dictate your actions doesn't work. It doesn't work. So, is there anybody out there who hasn't discovered that yet? Because <laughs> if there is, you will. <laughs> Here are a dozen scriptures in this short list that instruct us how to love one another. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Those those Thessalonians who Paul knew were already doing so well, they got this. Encourage people, build them up. I mean, how much does this cost you? The Corinthian church was uh, not doing so well as that in Thessalonica. Remember that envy and bragging thing we are not supposed to do? Yeah, they were. Uh, The good news is that we get to hear a lot about how the church is a body and like your own body, all the parts are important. Paul writes this to them, God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Don't decide who is important and who is not. Care for everyone the same. Now, I'm not saying be crazy here. We're only human, so none of us can care for everybody. That's not our job. First, care for those God has placed close to you in your life. But when you have an extra ability, don't choose who to care for by deciding who's the most important. Especially if you were thinking, maybe I can get something out of this. <laughs> really avoid that. Now here's one where we we have to understand the cultural setting. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Okay, one of you guys comes up to me to kiss me. I'm afraid I'm gonna to have to defend myself. I may punch you, alright? This <laughs> is the later. Now, if we were in the Middle East, even now, that would be the acceptable thing to do. That's how they greet one another. But here, yeah, give me the hearty handclasp. That's, that's the manly thing to do here. <laughs> By the time Paul wrote the last letter to the Corinthians that we have, they were they were doing a little better. So at the end of that letter, he wrote, Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, even though they're better, we can see their main problem in this ending. Three of those four are directly about not fighting with each other. And comfort one another... It's probably about getting over a brawl, okay? <laughs> so if you want the God of love and peace to be with you, you need to live biblical love and peacefulness. And by the way, I know you ladies, you're so good at transposing relationship terms that you probably hardly notice Paul's use of the word brother. So here's a bit of an aside, but we've got to have some fun. We talked about cultural settings. At the time that he wrote, it would have been grossly out of place. For a man to write to women. So men wrote to men. Uh, Indeed, there's very little interaction between the genders. But Paul knew that women then, as now, were much more capable of mastering these, let's call them language anomalies than men. So he wasn't worried about his sister's understanding. Most modern English translations have worked to smooth out these cultural differences. But they still want to be true to the text. So some of them still come out. Did that help anybody? I, I probably just wasted 30 seconds. Okay. Either way, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now honor was the big deal in ancient Rome. One writer, Roman writer of the time said it was something anyone would give all his money to gain, even his life to gain honor. People wanted, went to war to gain honor. And the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul says, give it away for free. You know what? The thing we want to own the most, the thing we work so hard to get, just give it away? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Give it away. Do you trust God to take care of you or not? I don't know what the thing is that's most important to you, but are you ready to give it away? Well, Paul went on to say to the church in Rome, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Okay. A culture where honor is everything, but live in harmony with everybody in the church. In fact, don't even think you have more honor than the lowly. Don't think you are in a better position because you understand and they don't. Note that he isn't saying that there aren't some who are wiser than others, but rather don't assume you are, naturally, better than others. And you know, if you're thinking... Well, it's kind of hard when you're as sharp as I am. <laughs> yeah, that this could be an issue for you, okay? Just just trying to say. Whatever smarts we have, whatever understanding or possessions, what, whoever our family and friends are, it all was given to us by God. None of us is better or worse simply because of those things. Now, we, we can mess it up. It is possible. But whatever we do have is a gift from Him. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, Paul was not afraid to be countercultural when it was necessary. Upper class people never talked to or even greeted lower class people, or the reverse. And Paul says, that's not how it works in the church. You welcome anyone seeking Christ, no matter what kind of honor they possess or not. And it's for the glory of God. So do make sure if you do countercultural things that it is for the glory of God. actually whatever things you do, make sure they're for the glory of God. Paul, having not met this particular group of believers, nevertheless says, "I myself am satisfied about you my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. instruct one another there are formal teaching environments like this my training and position is that of teaching the scriptures what I'm supposed to do yours is certainly something else but regardless we do find that we can all learn from one another so please do (laughs) somewhat later Paul wrote to a a wonderfully mature group group of believers you were thinking it was us weren't you no, it was actually the church in Ephesus. Let me read three one another statements, one after the other. I think they speak for themselves. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is beautiful. And remember, he's talking man to man, in one of the most hardcore cultures that has ever existed on this planet. They were hardcore in Rome. Just terrible hardcore. And he says those things. It's amazing. A couple more from another letter he wrote about the same time. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And how are they to bear with and forgive one another? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Thankfulness. I mean, how important it is to be grateful to God for all he has done for us. We should certainly be thankful for the word of Christ, the scriptures. Not to mention that Jesus Christ died to save us. I mean, come on, men. <laughs> We've all dreamed of dying gloriously for someone. Jesus did that for us. This is a big deal. Teaching and encouraging, exhorting. If we don't do it, a great danger lurks. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Don't let your brother or sister wallow in sin. It will harden their hearts if you do you're supposed to love them enough to stop that so do something about it today he says today that's why the same author wrote and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near don't just stop people from doing wrong drive them to do good and, you know, if church is only about you and what you can get from it, you won't really care about this. But if coming to church is about what you can do for others, it might change a few things. And we should be doing it even more than those Hebrews so, so long ago. The day is that day when Jesus Christ returns. And can we just say we're closer than they were? Okay. <laughs> Let's look at a couple one another thoughts from our friend Peter. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now there's a passage you could contemplate for a long time. Earnestly loving, since love covers a multitude of sins. Hmm, Now why would you need sins to be covered? (laughs) Yeah, all God's children got issues, right? Cover some of them up. Okay? Earnestly love them anyway. That's what he says, isn't it? Hospitality without grumbling. Using the very gifts God gave us to serve one another. Without grumbling. Here's one we need to preach more today. I bet I'll get an amen. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. That's where you're supposed to say amen. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now understand that their culture already strongly emphasized the young honoring and being subject to their elders. And yet Peter finds it necessary to urge the younger to do even more. So how much more do we need this now? And I'm not saying those of us who are, well, we're not old, but but we're further along. We need this. We don't, that's not what I'm saying. The young people need this. It will help them to spiritual maturity. They need this teaching. And then he says, young and old, show some humility. <laughs> I'd like to close with some of the last words written in the Bible. The Apostle John, now very old, he's so very gentle and so very clear. It will help to remember that John has always seen the light as the spiritual, the, the realm of God. So, listen now to this encouragement. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Do you walk in the light? Then you have fellowship with us. What should we do if a brother or sister sins against us? Well, first, remember that Jesus cleanses us from all sin. They're not alone in the world. If they believe that sin is forgiven by God, and maybe when they ask for your forgiveness, you should grant it as God did. You did say you wanted to love like Jesus, right? Well, if you do, you'll understand our very last verse for today. We live, you see, in this world. But our hearts are in the next. At least, they should be. We should be thinking spiritually all the time. But we can't see spiritual so how do you how do we live the spiritual no one has ever seen god if we love one another god abides in us and his love is perfected in us you've never seen god but you've seen us and god lives in us so if we truly love one another as christ loved us his love is perfected in us so you can see god's love when Jesus took that towel and wrapped it around His waist, He didn't do it because He decided to stoop to the point of serving so we can we would be willing to serve. That's That's not what He's doing. He served because it is the nature of God to serve. Always the three persons of the Trinity have served each other. Always. That's the nature of the realm of light. Jesus was trying to show those who believed in Him that this is the only way to life. The only way to life. Did you think I was going to say the only way to live? (laughs) It is. But I really did mean to say the only way to life. Eternal life. Eternal life in the realm of light. Do you want eternal life? Then you need to love as Jesus loved. And Jesus gave himself in service. The one thing all of these one another statements have in common is they tell us to focus not on getting, but on giving. Only when when we learn that to perfection can we truly say we have become like Jesus. At the end of that hot spring day when the disciples' mouths were watering, did they ever imagine they would take part in a conversation that would be the pivotal evening of their lives? It could be argued that of all the conversations that ever have occurred, this is the most pivotal in history indeed I believe it's the fulcrum on which all history rests love one another as I have loved you how have you been loved by Christ and will you love one another like Christ thank you Father for your care for us especially in the love of your son he loved his disciples and us in a way that we don't begin to comprehend really (laughs) we have an idea we understand his human nature because we are human the cost that he had to his person that you were forced by who you are to reject him to turn away from your own son in human form this is the tremendous thing to think of the son experiencing abandonment experiencing our sins every time we sin it went on Jesus on the cross for every person's sin everyone that's a cost that we don't begin to understand but we do understand that he did it that he loved in that way that he gave himself in living and in dying and He gave Himself in resurrection. Because He gave Himself, He can bring us along and make us like Him. And we can actually love like He did, giving our lives away in service to those around us, those that You've placed in our life. pray that You'd help us to do it. Figure out how to give ourselves away. Thank You, Father.